Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Screen Time Podcast. I'm Connor. And I am Luke. And in honor of Remembrance Day in Canada and Veterans Day in America. Correct. And whatever other similar holiday you've had around the world, if you're listening abroad, we have decided that it is a good time to discuss war movies. Mm -hmm. Movies that look at at war and, and have something to say. That feels very generic, but... Yeah. We'll get into the minutia as we discuss yeah. each movie. Primarily movies that aren't disrespectful towards war. Yes. Like ones that are trying to display a certain emotion about these events. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it would be crazy if none of the movies we talked about were controversial. We're not trying to feel that controversy. We're just talking about our opinions on on these movies uh, and, and how we receive them mm-hmm. we're not really focusing on any war in, individually but kind of looking at movies that have taken real world wars yes ones that are have actually happened yep. not fictionalized ones not like the romulan war with the vulcans yes <laughs> so to start off i think that i want to take a look at the movie that i think probably has oh, this is bold but it might have the best beginning out of all of these movies, and I think that we should start, a, and it's also really solid, I think we should start by talking about Saving Private Ryan. I knew you were going to say that movie. Now, the very beginning is is old Ryan right? Yeah, looking at Grace, which is a, a beautiful moment, but the beginning that everyone remembers and, and is definitely thinking about as I talk about it is the Omaha Beach yeah. sequence, which they give you 14 seconds to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then it's just bullets and blood. Yeah, it's and brutal. It's, yeah. Uh, even, like, looking, watching it with hindsight, knowing, like, oh, they're going to win. They're going to take the beach. Mm-hmm. It's still, like, it's stressful and, and, like, heartbreaking to watch. You don't have a sense of relief knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, like... There's moments where you're like, are they actually going to? Because, like, I just, in the span of the past eight seconds, I've watched 14 people be blown to literal bits. Yeah. Uh, and uh, on the DVD, you know, it, it shows up with the rating and then why it's rated that way. Mm-hmm. And it's R, and one of the reasons is prolonged realistic war sequences. And I was like, that is something i can get behind for like a lot of people actually had ptsd yeah in the theater Um, and out of the theater as well but just watching this movie yeah they're not pulling back and just the amount of of injuries and and just even instant death no and like you see like people like on the beach and their intestines are like out of their body like oh that's disgusting and something that i found really heartbreaking about about that sequence specifically is you see, like, medics who are, like, trying to, like, patch people up mm-hmm. on the beach while everything's happening. And there's one there's one medic you see, and he's kind of got someone to place where he's like, okay, I'm going to move on. And then they're immediately shot in the head and killed. And he's like, oh, like, are you serious? Like, I just... Yeah. I just went through all his work, and now, like, he's dead, dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, what an awful experience that would be. I mean, being there at all, yeah, would not be 
anything you'd want. No, no, no <laughs> not at all. Um, but to to be working on people just to have them die as soon as you're finished, it's oh. And yeah, what a what a crazy movie. Um, forwarding to the the end, and that fight. I think that they build up to that that final show off so well. Mm-hmm. The tension rising as they're setting up and even just as they're sitting there and talking, like they're talking about like lighthearted stuff, like that's where Matt Damon tells a story of his brother trying to lose his virginity before going to, to training camp and he's he's laughing about it. But even as they're telling these lighthearted stories like there's like an air of like tension and it's like oh like it's coming yeah and i'm not i'm not feeling good (laughs) and you know to further on with that heartbreaking element the scene with um what's the the young guy's name do you remember do you remember anyone's name other than ryan the young guy who has to bring the bullets to the other guys, but he gets so nervous and scared that he can't go in the room. Uh, I don't remember that. You don't remember that sequence? No, I remember that. I just don't remember which character that is. Yeah. Um, like I don't. I remember that happening. Yeah. I remember the characters in the movie, but I don't remember. Like I don't even remember the face of that character because I don't remember which certain character. Yeah, did that action. I do remember that though, because that's a very memorable part. But just who that, did that? I can't remember. That sucked. Was that I, Jeremy? That wasn't Jeremy Davies. No, I don't know. Okay. Uh, that that was hard to watch. Yeah, because it's like, man, I want to be mad at you for not just going in there. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, who would I be to blame you for? Yeah, freaking out in this situation as if I could do any better. Exactly. What this movie does is it like shows how people change from war. Yeah. Because a, a lot of these movies do different things and they have different purposes. Yeah. And I, I do kind of think one of the main points of this movie is to show how like it can corrupt people, mm-hmm. and not necessarily mean that those people are bad, but like, I mean, it just changes you, right? Like those experiences and that fear. Yeah. Change kind of just switch your brain chemistry a bit like um do you know who jeremy davies is not by name i'll just show you a picture of him. this guy that's yeah that's the guy yeah yeah uh and he he's like this this young guy right and he's kind of not that traumatized as an individual like from the beginning of the story yeah right and he doesn't really like war he doesn't want to kill people no and then you go to the end of the movie when he finds those people in the the little pit area yeah. that are like, we surrender, and he just like straight up just shoots them right there. Yeah. And it's like, my goodness. It's a difficult film. <laughs> Most of these are. <laughs> Not a feel-good one. I don't know um, if any of these are. But, but very well made. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, you yeah. can hear it in our voices. <laughs> We're just like, oh. I had an idea what I wanted to talk about next, but but uh, I'll, I'll let you guide that because I feel like I might take it down too far. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll we'll hold off some of the, the worst 
in terms of content movies for a bit. Saving Private Ryan. That was what we talked about. Yep. Let's move on to another beach movie. Dunkirk. I like it. Yeah. This is a good movie. This is a very, very good movie. I think you can call it. Yeah. Part of the fun of this movie is how... Enjoyment. They they mess with time. It's, well, yeah. I don't know if I want to say fun. Fun? The, it's kind of fun trying to figure out where yeah yeah it's everything true, true, is true the the events of Dunkirk it's engaging not fun but yeah <laughs> uh, but the presentation was was well done and it keeps you invested yeah uh, it's Christopher and, Nolan so oh, yeah time manipulation uh, again uh, I don't know if we've talked about this much in the podcast but a classic example of Tom Hardy having his face covered up in Hollywood yeah because it just happens so often it is <laughs> I don't know what it is. But then he still does an amazing job. He does. Um, what I thought was interesting is, is specifically with the guys on the beach is the events that unfold there are very interesting. And there are some bigger names. Uh, you know, Kenneth Branagh's there. Yep. Um, Harry Styles. Yeah. But even, yeah. I, I was going to say he's not. But he is. <laughs> um, he's a very big name. But I feel like it's it's not like, hey, let's look at the stars that we've that we've hired that you know. Uh, they just kind of happen to be there in, in different mm-hmm. events. Uh, I'm thinking about when they crawl into the boat. Yeah. Oh my uh, all the soldiers and everything that unfolds in there as they find out that one of them is, is a Frenchman and they do not like the French. Yeah. And then they, they try to get him killed and stuff. And the, I... There's some. That moment is one of a few moments I think do tension really well. I think this entire movie does tension well because yeah. of the soundtrack. That the because the Hans tick, Zimmer tick, has tick, tick, tick. it's like a a ticking sound. Yeah, pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, and it's like integrated in every single track pretty much. Yeah, until the resolution, and you get that nice like, that, orchestral music that like. Oh, and it feels so feel, good too. Oh, it does. Because it's physically even feel like the two relief. hours of like just strained anxiety, <laughs> yeah, and stress, yeah. Very good movie. I like I liked how it ended too, um, with those soldiers coming back to to Britain and then reading in the paper, um, Churchill's speech, which is a great speech. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What else you got? Moving on. <laughs> let's uh let's duck out of let's duck back in time a little bit. Uh is this any more lighthearted? Absolutely not, but quality is one hundred percent there. Let's talk about All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, specifically the remake that came out last year. Uh won a ton of Oscars at the most recent Oscars and very deserving. This movie is incredibly well made. Oh yeah. Um, and what's very interesting is a lot of, if not most of the movies that we talk about in this episode, are following the Americans as the good guys, and, and you know, kind of that perspective. And in this one, looking at a, you know, the German perspective, mm-hmm. I, it's kind of. Like eye opening, it's like oh yeah, oh, like. Yeah. Whereas the 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 other 
troops in most of these movies are kind of nameless, faceless soldiers. Well, now let's give you one of those guys to follow and, and see yeah. what it was like for them. It's like, oh yeah, like you guys went through the same thing, pretty much. And yeah. like, it's not like, this wasn't a walk in the park for you until you lost. Like you had equally troubling decisions that you had to make and and stuff. There's a moment in this movie where where the main character stabs someone in the chest and then they're choking on their own blood until they die. And mm-hmm. that moment is rough. Like that oh, yeah. is hard to watch. And I mean harder for anyone who would have had to have actually been yeah. there and witnessed that themselves. Yeah, oof. Yeah. It's also hard to watch this movie because just when you think it's done the one the, more push. Yeah, they yeah. go right back into it and you're like, Why? Oh, it's painful. And yeah, this the ending of this movie is really frustrating. Yeah. It's an incredible ending though. It is. Um but just you know, if 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 everything if every event in the last 20 minutes of that movie had been delayed by 60 seconds, mm-hmm. like the ending would be completely different. Yeah. It's... It, oh. oh, man. This is a downer episode. Yeah. I guess I I predicted that a little bit, but... <laughs> well, yeah. We're taking this seriously. At 30 minutes, we'll do the... the most lighthearted one, I think. Okay, yeah. All right. So, segue away from this. All right. You're talking about movies that... Show other sides. I'm going to give you two options, depending on what I talk about next. First option is, do you want me to talk about a movie that I think does probably the faceless bad guys the worst, or one that shows multiple sides again? See, I thought I knew where you were going with this, but no, I do the worst. The worst? Okay. So this is Pearl Harbor. Um, <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay. Michael Bay? Yeah, Michael Bay did yep. Pearl Harbor. Big, um, big explosion. This big is explosion. Made hey, him. I'll say this. The middle 40 to an hour, 40 minutes to an hour, Yeah, that middle section is done really well. Like, his actual, like, the attack on Pearl Harbor sequences, like, filmed incredibly well. Um, The first hour is about a love triangle between Ben Affleck and these other people, and it sucks. It's not good. It's Michael Bay, so obviously... Oh, he's writing human characters. Romance. Oof. Not good with that. Sorry, Mike. Uh, and then, yeah. So I'm talking about the, the faceless, nameless bad guys. Is the, the Japanese in this movie. And I'm not saying... No, nobody was a saint in World War II. Nobody. Right? But all the Japanese are is... Think Star Wars, right? You've got the people on the Death Star sitting around the table, being like, yes, what are we going to do? Ooh, evil stuff, right? Then, mmm, yes, we're bad. Go fight them. And that's, like, all they are. And it kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) And then, like, the last 40 minutes are just, like, why are we still watching this movie right now? Yeah. It's not great. Um, Yeah. Segway. <laughs> uh, Pearl Harbor was a, a significant event in, in World War II and uh, yeah. can't be ignored. Another significant event 
was the Battle of Mid- at Midway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen two movies called Midway, about Midway. One is from 1976, and the other one is from 2019. Remake? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> They're both covering the exact same thing. Um, and I think... Oddly enough, even though it's been longer since I saw the 76 one, I remember that one a little bit better than I remember the 2019 one. Mm. Um, but what the 76 one did really well is you see the Japanese and the, the commanders on the boat making the decisions that led to the unfortunate situation for them yeah. with what happened. And you see them making the decisions about why they should have the torpedoes and or the bombs on the planes at the same time. And if you're unfamiliar with what happened, when the U.S. Air Force found them, which was also a complete accident, one of the planes just accidentally went in the wrong direction and found the Japanese fleet. As they had their bombs and torpedoes on the deck because they were swapping them out in the planes, and then the U.S. just rained fire on them and blew up the entire fleet. Mm-hmm. Because all their explosives were sitting yeah. right there. <clears throat> uh, the 2019 one is definitely more look at the explosions. Mm-hmm. And look at... It'd be, it's probably similar to a Pearl Harbor thing where it's like... Yeah. Look at the spectacle of the big boom. Yeah. Uh, versus I feel like uh, the 76 one was like... This is what happened and, and look how we got here. And there was more of... And this is, uh, I don't want to call it a charm of the 76 movies, but some that, or the older movies, but there's like that, you know, the red water blood and like there's that specific look of like burned flesh in those older movies, which, and that's, that definitely stuck in my head because you have the Japanese, you know, their boats are blowing up and, and they're dying and stuff, but also the U.S. planes are not being untouched in the situation. Um, and so watching kind of both sides and and, mm-hmm. and the damage and destruction that was happening there stuck with me. Yeah. As it would. Yeah. Also, this is a quick side note, but uh, the other thing that I remember from the 76 one is that Mr. Miyagi is one of the Japanese... Uh, what? War Generals. Uh, well, I'm watching it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Pat Maritas is yeah, real yeah, name. Yeah. I, I, I do know that. Yes. I just... We, Everyone knows we Mr. Know him Miyagi. As Mr. Miyagi. Everyone knows Mr. Miyagi. Um, yeah. Yeah. What else do you got? All right. Well. Another um, film. Films. Showing the Japanese side as well. Uh came from Clint Eastwood, weirdly enough. You wouldn't believe it if you didn't see it. No, you wouldn't. Because when you think of Clint Eastwood, you're like, all-American, you know. Cowboy. Like, come on, we got this, you know. Um, And I, I, I still can't believe that he made these movies. There's Flags of Our Fathers, uh, which follows the American side, like the, the side of the U.S. Uh, on Iwo Jima. The island in that war in the the war of the pacific and then that was like like six months later i think it was within the year or maybe a year later uh letters from iwo jima came out also by clint eastwood which was the second part which was the same event 
but from the Japanese perspective. And oh my goodness, are these movies amazing. Oh, uh, Ken Watanabe is in the Letters from Iwo Jima. That was pretty nice. sweet. And it's, it's incredible because the U.S. one isn't like the U.S. are the best, right? You'd think it would be. <laughs> I mean, but it's not. It's kind of showing different people's experience in this battle. Mm-hmm. And there's some that are... Because unfortunately, it is true that some people in World War II were not good people. Yeah. All sides, right? And they show that, but they also show the people who were, I guess, more vulnerable or more opposed to what was going on, but still reluctantly went on. And then you saw that from the Japanese side as well. And from the Japanese side, you saw a lot of the um, not great stuff, you know, that the Japanese um, military was making people do. And you saw people who were going along with it, saw people who were completely in agreement with it. And then you followed some people who were like very reluctant about it and didn't want any part of it. Yeah. So it was very, very interesting. Um, What's the word? Side? Perspective. perspective. Very interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch those. Very good. Um, Yeah, especially with the... I think Letters from Iwo Jima is what makes them so good. Like, if it was just Flags of Our Fathers, you'd be like, oh, it's a pretty good war movie. Yeah. But then you watch the next one, you go, that was good. Yeah, it, having both perspectives on the same event is mm-hmm. is something very interesting. Oh, it's definitely interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pull us out. Uh, yeah, let's make it a little bit lighter here. Talk about a movie called The Last Full Measure, uh, which is a movie about the war, but we see very little of the war, and this also takes place after the war. Uh, there was a soldier in the Vietnam War who was part of the the pararescue, and he saved a ton of people, specifically during this one, one battle. Mm-hmm. didn't get recognized for it now it's 30 plus years later and uh someone who knew him says like he's he's dead now um but he deserves to be recognized and so there's a few big names in this uh and it's sebastian stan who says oh, okay sure. let me let's go through the, the stages and 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 get him like a mm-hmm. medal of honor <clears throat> And so he gets to go and talk to all the people that were saved by him and all the people that knew him in the Vietnam War and hear their perspectives. And he's very much a white-collar, you know, office worker. War is so far beyond him. And there's a beautiful moment where he actually goes to Vietnam and and gets to just be in, like, a greenhouse of, like, look, there was war here. But now yeah. there's there's new life and we've we've moved past it, and it's when he gets to look and just see like be there and mm-hmm. everything that's dedicated to all the people that that fought and died, and he just has a very emotional moment. Um, also, John, no William Hurt, oh cool, uh, is the guy who's saying we need to get this Medal of Honor for the guy that I knew. And mm-hmm. and watching his emotional journey throughout the movie as well because he's like like it shouldn't be this hard, like this guy I knew did everything and and it's just not happening and and watching him emotionally is 
is really well done as well. Um, as far as quality goes, not the best movie on this list mm-hmm. by a long shot. Yeah, it'd be like a like a seven out of ten, which is not bad. Yes, um, average. Yeah, if what I said about the movie is makes you go like, wow, that's really interesting. I really want to see. It. Then watch it. If you're not totally hooked, then you don't necessarily need to. But it was yeah. a cool well, perspective. Yeah. Um, alright, so speaking of moving us away from our, our tone of the last couple, uh, let's move to a different war for a second. Alright. Uh, I want to present you with Last of the Mohicans. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Okay. So it takes place in 1757 uh, with the France and Great Britain where trying to get control over North America from the indigenous population and everything. And, uh, yeah. I'll be brief, but it's very good. <laughs> I want to talk about it more, but I only remember that it's very good. <laughs> Unfortunately, I need to watch it again. There are worse things to remember about a movie <laughs> than it being very good. Uh, the lead is Daniel Day-Lewis. That's right. right. Daniel Day-Lewis. Sounds like it's good. <laughs> so, it's great. I did not know that that was him. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. Uh, great movie, and just to be cultured, watch it. <laughs> Learn about history. Watch it, because it's good. Yeah. This is a very fascinating movie. Have you seen the movie Jarhead? No, not yet. This movie is very interesting. It's, this would be like a like a critique or a character study type of movie uh, about these soldiers that enlist to fight in the Gulf War. But they spend all this time in this training camp and everything. And, you know, they're learning how to shoot guns, but they're just shooting at targets. And it kind of looks at, with the promise of violence, how much soldiers can, like, come to, like, yearn that Mm -hmm. violence. As terrible as it is, um, they just, it gets to the point where, like, Everyone in this camp just wants to kill someone. Mm. Like, put us in, give us guns, and just let's mow them down. Like, we're just itching for it. Which is terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Not great, um, content-wise. And, yeah, there's a... The climactic moment comes when, at the end, and there's an, an opportunity where it's like, oh, this can finally happen. And then that gets shut down. And and it doesn't happen. And watching them react to that. Like the promise of violence. It's finally here. We finally get to kill someone. We finally get to perform this violence. Except no you can't. And they're just. Again emotional reaction to that. Is like woof. Like man. Yeah. Well, you were talking about like the altering of like brain chemistry and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that happens. In their heads to get them to this spot is crazy yeah um the movie does end though in a way that's kind of makes that satisfying without being brutal and horrific i i would yeah i mean i feel like i would generally recommend all the movies we're talking about but this is a a very fascinating one to watch yeah well i'll have to give it a watch (laughs) another fascinating movie 
is the intimid- intimidation. Imitation. The imitation game. Yeah. <laughs> it takes place kind of after the war, but focuses on Alan Turing's time in the war. Yeah. It's very interesting. Benedict Cumberbatch. The music in this movie is so good. Who did the score? I think it was Alexander Desplat, but I might be incorrect. Yeah, it's very good. And Cumberbatch is an incredible actor. And this is some of the some of these don't show like the exact war itself, but like show behind the scenes. And this is a very interesting switch in the type of war film that you're watching. Yeah. It's because you're seeing... Because you're used to watching the guys on the battlefield. Boots on the ground. Yeah, boots on the ground and just brutal violence. But we don't really pay attention that much to what the people were doing behind there with their brains and strategy. Yeah. And figuring out things. And it was the first computer as well. The invention of the first computer, yeah. 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 I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) I don't know. So sorry. (laughs) That's what I meant when I said first computer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great it's a great movie. Watch it. Um, yeah, what I thought was interesting about that one was they make the computer that's able to to break the German code mm-hmm. and then they find out, okay, the Germans are gonna attack these boats tomorrow. Yeah. And then there's the really hard decision where they're like, We have to let it happen. Yeah. Otherwise the Germans are gonna find out that we cracked their code mm-hmm. and they're gonna totally revamp it and then we're not gonna know what they're doing. But, like, one of the people who worked on it had someone that they knew on that boat. And so having to choose to let them die and yeah. not act on it, <sighs> messed up, man. It is. But it's a very, very good movie. It is. It's very sad, too. Like, we've just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Unbroken. Have you seen this one? I have not. I have never heard of it, either. Unbroken is... Fixed. But a soldier who was in a, in one of the boats ships mm-hmm. and he gets attacked uh and he's stranded at sea for a very long period of time his name was Louis Zamperini uh and the boat lands on the coast of Japan he gets taken as a POW prisoner of war mm-hmm. and before he was in the war he was an Olympic runner so he gets recognized and the uh Japanese officer who is in charge of this prisoner camp just has a particular hatred for him and so like makes life extra hard for him mm. uh, the the iconic moment then and the poster and everything is they get him to hold a like a railway board above his head yeah and then they say when when the board drops blow his head shoot him and kill him and then he finds the strength to keep it above his head until the officer gets frustrated and then beats him to the ground mm-hmm. and doesn't kill him. Uh, and yeah, you don't, you do not see a lot of, a lot of war, but it's that prisoner perspective. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, this is, this is rough. And like, yeah. you know, as terrible as it is, like, man, it would have been a lot better for a lot of these guys if they just died with a bullet to the head. Rather than having to go through what they went through, yeah, well, less painful. As a, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of uh, prisoner camps, yeah, I saw this one coming. <laughs> I think uh, the Great Escape. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve McQueen, classic. 
uh, they, him and his group, get captured by Germans and have to escape greatly, they say. Yep. It is so good. It's one of my favorite war movies. It feels weird saying favorite war movie. Gosh dang it. One of one of the best. Yeah. Also, just a classic movie in just movie history. And, uh, yeah, it is pretty long, though. <laughs> I don't know how long it is. It took him a long time to dig those tunnels. I did. Know? It did. Yeah. But just seeing... It, it, it displays, like, that, um... I guess resilience yeah of people the human spirit the human spirit yeah and Steve McQueen's just the best so <laughs> I mean come on the oh, <laughs> I was gonna make a joke but this is not the time for jokes not the time it's too soon except yeah. maybe it is time for jokes maybe it is let's talk about Jojo Rabbit oh yeah here we go I feel fine saying this this is my favorite of the movies on this list it's really? my fourth favorite movie of all time I guess yeah <laughs> I think my fourth favorite movie of all time is my favorite on this list. Jojo Rabbit is genuinely hilarious from the get-go. And it, it's kind of weird because you're laughing about a boy who's in Hitler's Boy Scouts and, like, burning bucks and, like, Jew-hating. And you're like, I'm laughing at this. Don't know if I... If it's good for me to be laughing at. Uh, but the journey that the movie takes from... Mm-hmm. This is normal. This is good, and we're laughing about it. To oh no, that's actually all terrible. Yeah, none of this is good. No, uh, and actually everything's miserable. Yeah, that's because you're watching the movie. Like the movie's tone reflects the main character's mindset. Yeah, right. So when he thinks, when Jojo the kid thinks all this is well and good because that's what he's been conditioned to think. Yeah, the. The tone is lighthearted and comedic, and there's lots of jokes. And then he finds the Jew in his house, and yeah, he has like resentment towards her, right? But there's still jokes because he's still kind of okay with everything that's happening in the world, yeah. Which is terrible, but that's just how it was. And then as he discovers more and more that this is not okay, the tone changes to more drama than comedy. Yeah. Yeah, specifically in one scene perfectly executed scene oh the end a pair of shoes has never yeah. it yeah it, it, you know pulled tears out of your face so fast and so powerfully yeah um yeah uh but you know for the comedy that's there uh good like it's pretty funny. it is actually funny yeah um, but also, I, they found that perfect balance and the perfect, like, like path to, like, also have, like, serious moments. Yeah. Both in, like, oh, wow, this, like, really sucks and, and I hate what I'm looking at. But also, like, oh, this is really heartwarming. And I don't want to laugh right now. I just want to yeah. take in, like, the goodness of what's happening. I feel that Taika never takes the comedy too far. So that I, I'm never watching it and being like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of it, you're like... You're you're on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> you're not sure, but there's nothing that happens that you're like, no. Yeah. That's too far. Um, I draw the line there. Yeah. There's also a moment right near the end when the Germans have lost in the American... Americans? Or is it the British? The Allies are, are going through Germany, and they're kind of rounding up, up the Germans and the Nazis, and 
and dealing with them and there's Jojo gets lumped in and uh some of, and he's talking with Sam Rockwell who is really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. And in just kind of a move that I feel like wasn't expected but uh really works is uh Sam Rockwell says like oh my boy like you should never have had to go through this. And then kind of like snaps on Diamond, tears his Jojo's jacket off and yells at him like, get out of here, you, you dirty, filthy Jew. And they kick Jojo out of the yeah. the little courtyard. And like as Jojo leaves, you hear the bullets, the guns shooting everyone that was in that courtyard. And it's like the last thing that, that this general did was like save his life. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, like that. Yeah. It's kind of powerful. It's, it is. It's a very, very good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone says Taika ruined movies after Thor, just watch Jojo. You'll have to change your mind. I want to talk about Hacksaw Ridge. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Andrew Garfield, incredible. Uh, There's so many more people in this movie. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, that's who it was. Yeah. This is also a war movie that has... This isn't a comedy. I'm not saying that. But it has comedic moments in the movie that kind of balance the tone for the first part of the movie right when he's just joining vince vaughn it's just it's just vince vaughn that's all the comedy is and there's like a moment or two like right near the end but uh most of the hacksaw ridge stuff is when they get there it's it's brutal but it's incredibly moving i i feel like the beginning of the movie is maybe a little long yes it takes them a long time to get to hacksaw ridge but uh, once they climb the ridge, holy crap. Yeah. I, I remember watching it the first time. And, uh, you know, they're walking guns up and it's quiet. And then one of the Japanese guys jumps up and he screams. And then it's screaming and gunfire and just, like, yeah, terrible stuff happening on screen for, like, ten minutes. And then it yeah. finally quiets down and you're like whoa what the heck was that yeah like that and now it's how the movie starts with like the shot of him in the war yeah kicking the grenade is what they open the movie with and then it switches so that him and like his the romance stuff and leading up to him going to war i think you wouldn't say it was too long if you've seen pearl harbor (laughs) 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 but yeah no hacksaw ridge is it's very well done. And the whole time with the, like, just let me get one more. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a good movie. Yeah. and the, It's I, touching. I think during the credits, too, they had some of the people that were actually saved by him explaining yeah, yeah, what happened. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I just saw that happen in the movie. Like, I'm thinking specifically of when he washed the guy's eyes off with the water. Mm-hmm. And the guy's talking about that. And I'm like, oof. Like, mm-hmm. It's one thing to, like, watch it unfold, but then to hear, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, actually what happened to me. It's like, oh, man, that's they genuinely crazy. I'm not talking about it a lot, because we'll probably talk about it in the future. They do that incredibly well in Band of Brothers. Like, at yeah. the start of each episode, they'll have, like, a interview, and then they'll show that. Yeah. It's very well done. But, yeah. Yeah. I've, interviews for war movies can be done very well. Like, when they're done right. Yeah. It just makes it that much more heartbreaking. 
touching yeah, there's movie, a, all of the above yeah oh, i'm gonna kind of come back to that later oh, okay. <laughs> um here's one that i watched is this the most recent one on my list probably are there any from this year i don't think so uh so last year apple released a movie called the greatest beer run ever oh uh in which zach efron takes a duffel bag full of beer and flies to vietnam so he can he can bring his buddies a beer because he feels bad that there's been so much anti-war mm-hmm. sentiment back in america and he feels like it's ruining morale for his friends overseas and the first third of this movie is pretty fun and it's lighthearted. and you know hey you know i'm not doing a whole lot so i'll I'll grab some beers and I'll fly over and I'll bring my boys a beer. Right. And the first guy that he brings a beer to, they're just sitting at a at a at an army base and they're not really doing anything. Nothing terrible is happening, so they sit down and have a beer. And there's kind of this running bit where all the army people think that Zac Efron's in the CIA because he's dressed so casually, and the only person who could possibly be dressed this way is a CIA agent. So he can get away with all this stuff because they think he's in the CIA, and if they don't let him do it, then they're going to yeah. get in trouble with the federal government. Um, but when he goes to his second buddy, and it starts off kind of comedic and and lighthearted and stuff, and then he gets his buddy to come in, and the guy's like, what are you doing here? Like, this is a war zone. He's like, yeah, I can bring you beer. He's like, okay, but I almost died like running from my place just to get here. Like, do you understand that? He's like, what? And then, from that moment on, Zac Efron's character is in, like, in more and more of the war mm-hmm. and the terrible things happening in Vietnam. And just very quickly, he's realizing, like, oh, like, this is actually yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, this is not like World War Two, where it's we have a clear, you know, this is who we're fighting and why we're fighting them. This is two governments aren't getting along. And they're kind of just throwing armies at each other, but they don't need to. So people are dying completely needlessly, mm-hmm. and none of this is is necessary, and and stuff like even happens like in cities in Vietnam. Uh, I can't remember the name of the city that he's in, where like a Vietnamese coup is happening, and then the Americans like hop in a little bit, but kind of to cover their own tracks of other stuff that they have done. And he goes back at the end. Spoiler, he doesn't die. Um, but he goes back and he's just... He's like, I can't... Like, be fun and lighthearted yeah. anymore because of everything I've seen. Like, no, I can't I can't be that guy anymore. And I, I just kind of threw it on because I thought it'd be, like, a decent watch. It was actually really good. And by the end of the movie, I was, like, almost in tears. And I was not expecting that in the slightest... Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed with what they pulled off. Yeah. Speaking of light-hearted but then sad movies that take place about the Vietnam War, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Robin Williams. Pretty much everything you said about <laughs> uh, Greatest Beer Ever like applies to Good Morning Vietnam, where you know you've got Robin Williams doing his thing, right? He's a funny guy. There's yeah. a lot of comedy. He's joking around with people, but then they, then they show that aspect of this war is pointless. Like we don't know what the point is. 
and it's very difficult to watch that way. And also, he's got his uh, radio show or whatever yeah. that he does, and just how much restriction he has and what he can say on the radio because they like don't want to disclose any information, which is why nobody knows what's going on. But then he tries to do it anyway, and a lot of problems result in that. But it's a very, very good movie. Yeah. Uh, here's here's one that I found interesting. It's called The Wall. Let's tell you what movie it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only three people in this movie. Uh, it's Aaron Taylor Johnson and John Cena as two American soldiers during the Iraq War. Uh, and then there's an Iraqi sniper. Uh, and the movie is that these two soldiers get pinned down by a sniper behind this wall hence the title of the wall mm-hmm. and it's one of those you know single location uh high tension high stakes high personal stakes i guess movies uh i thought it was i'm not gonna talk about it too long that was very interesting and in how they maintain that tension given that you know there's only so many elements and things at play in the movie but the way that they they keep things exciting and they keep things moving uh did this actually happen probably not <laughs> i think this was probably a fictional story probably um yeah but it was uh kind of an interesting story to create in with the backdrop of of all this happening behind them yeah 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 good tension Speaking of good tension, there you go. <laughs> 1917 oh. is a film presented almost entirely like it's a one-shot. It's like two a shots. A one-take. That's why I said almost entirely. Yeah. I, I mean, there's more than one. Like, they hide it through editing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's presented like it's almost a one-take. Yeah, he blacks out at one point. Yeah. But, yeah. Which is such... Okay, I'll talk about that. Because since <laughs> you, they've been building up this tension, here's the thing about a one take, is you can use it to do so many things. If it's a long one take, it could either be really boring, or it could build up like tension in what you're watching yeah. better than pretty much anything else. And through the music that's happening, which, oh my goodness. Solid music. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but through all that's happening, and they're going through it, you're like, you're dragged in immediately. And hooked. And because it's a one-shot, you're watching this this whole time, wondering where they're going to go. And the camera movement makes it so much more engaging. And because you've been watching... I don't know when that takes place. Maybe like... I don't know. 90 minutes into the movie? When does he get knocked out? Halfway through? I'd say probably two-thirds. Two-thirds? But, yeah. yeah. Because you've been watching for two-thirds of a movie, to have him black out and it like... I think it cuts to black. Yeah. You're like whoa what's going on right like this they just switched the game up here yeah very very good oh my goodness well i think that 1917 does perfectly i was gonna say very well it's actually perfect is is the camera always feel because the soldiers have to get to this location by this time yeah to stop a slaughter right yes and the camera always feels like it's either pushing them from behind or pulling them when it's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like uh, I think the best this is is when when the guy runs on top of the the trench yeah. right at the end yeah. and all the bomb stuff. Like 
to do some behind the scenes. They put the camera on the back of a truck and they said, run after the truck. And then he trips and falls, which was actually unscripted. Yeah. Um, but the camera keeps going and he has to run and catch up with the camera. And it's yeah. that kind of like, you have to be moving right now. Yes. Like you can't stop. You can't take a break. And no. they do a couple of times, but like you have to be moving. Yeah. And just that, that momentum just pushes the, and you can't stop watching. No, you can't. It's amazing. You get a text and be like, I'll get that later. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me later. Um, another thing that they do very well. Uh, very intelligently, I should say, is casting. Yep. Because, and there's a reason for why they've casted so many big name actors in these tiny roles, but the main two are just these nobodies that you yep. don't know. I mean, they're not nobodies. That's that sounds rude. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> like that's the point is to be like these two soldiers. No one knows who they are. They're the most important right now. Yeah. And we have to follow them. Nobody knows them, but this is their story. Well. Everybody else, like the big sergeants and whatnot, are all like Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, the guy who plays um, Moriarty, and also in all in Sherlock as well as in there. And there's a ton more are just like there for a scene, and you're like, yeah, they don't really matter in terms of the story. Yeah, but they're big names in this war. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, kind of like points to get. Yeah, on the journey. It's very good. <clears throat> yeah, love that movie a lot. Oh, yeah. Actually, absolutely. Here's here's a. A, a bit of a lighter one. Have you seen The Monuments Men? No. This movie's awesome. <laughs> uh, it's, it takes place right near the end of World War II. And uh, it's this group of older guys. Not not quite necessarily, uh, you know, about to die old. But they all got gray hair. And they uh, they go overseas because they are going to save and protect like artwork mm-hmm. um in the midst of the world war that's happening uh and it's a bit of fun uh it's not without its its hard moments and right and you know like oh no you're in a war and this sucks and, and yeah. people die um but I feel like it was really well made, and, and the ending came to a very satisfying conclusion, specifically around a very specific piece of art that they were that they were hoping to find, and and they do just at the at the last moment before right. they were unable to do what they were doing. Uh, solid cast, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you can watch the monuments man and, and walk out of it and being like, yeah, war does suck, but. I'm not miserable right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, <clears throat> being miserable, but also not being miserable at the same time, because it's beautiful. Yeah. Just like art. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, and because I'd feel weird only having talked about one movie about the indigenous peoples, okay. we're going to talk about Dances with Wolves. Oh, this movie is incredible on so ma- in so many aspects. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And Kevin Costner... Uh, oh, I should I should say, takes place in eighteen sixties. Don't know exactly what date, but during like the Civil War, and then also the terrible things with you know Americans and Indigenous peoples and yeah, all that uh, awful stuff. So yeah, but honestly, 
I don't want to say anything about this movie. Be vague. Like, specific. Because I think just going to this movie completely blind or only bl- only knowledgeable of what pop culture has told you would be a great experience. But I'll just say the music is amazing. Cinematography some of the some of the most beautiful cinematography I like I've ever seen. And I can't believe that this is a Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like the uh the Clint Eastwood thing. It's like Clint East this is a Clint Eastwood movie. Wow. I didn't know you could make movies this good. Yeah. And this is Kevin Costner. I'm like I I've always liked Kevin Costner. I've never like disliked him. But I didn't know that you were capable of this. Yeah. Like Waterworld is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I didn't know that you could do this. Yeah. Very, very good. Very long. Watch Extended Edition. It's almost four hours. Oh, boy. It's, it's, here, I'll say this about it. It's probably the longest movie that doesn't f- feel like it's that long. I don't know if that makes sense. You watch a movie, and you're like, this is four hours, and you go like, wow, that was definitely four hours. You know? I watch this one, it's four hours, and I'm like, it's, we're already at this point in the story. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. It go it goes by very fast. I'm talking about a, uh best picture winner here <clears throat> talk about the hurt locker oh interesting Emilia has been some time since i watched it <clears throat> but i remember just being blown away by this movie mm-hmm. pun not intended because it is about bomb defusal the tension in this movie is is really good like uh, uh mm-hmm. i i don't like saying this because i i prefer watching movies on my tv now but i did watch this one on my phone and i remember like my my hands are cramping because i was like gripping the phone so tight because i was like getting freaked out yeah i used to watch um, stuff on my phone too it's okay yeah <laughs> also tons of people watch stuff on my phone i shouldn't be embarrassed yeah. um the but the main characters are are played by jeremy renner and anthony mackie oh interesting who i we would probably know best from their Marvel roles. Yeah. As Hawkeye and Falcon. Um, Jason Bourne. There you go. <laughs> uh, but it's a completely different performance in this movie. And Jeremy Brenner, I, in particular, I found completely compelling uh, as he's diffusing these bombs. And they have these big bomb suits, but he's kind of like taking like half of it off because he's like kind of come to terms of the fact like oh, if i die i die whatever but you know if i defuse the bomb then i defuse it and that's just kind of how it is and everyone else is like stop it like take yeah. it seriously like if this bomb does go off you're gonna die we don't like we kind of want you around to try and defuse another bomb if, it, if this one goes off type of thing and uh yeah the dynamic was was very interesting and the tension was really well done mm-hmm. and it's a very well made movie evidently in that it won Best Picture. Yeah. So, <laughs> at the Oscars. I'll talk about The Human Condition. Alright. So, these are Japanese movies. Um, they're all, like, over three hours, and there's three of them. It's like it's like Lord of the Rings, but World <laughs> War Two. But, oh my goodness. They're some of the best movies I've ever watched. They, and again, it's the same thing of, like, I don't want to say anything, because it's like... Just experience the movie kind of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you can kind of expect what you're going to watch by Japanese World War II movies called The Human Condition. <laughs> it's about the human condition. And yeah. Pretty much like everything about 
most of these war movies that we've talked about involving how war changes people and how different people respond to war is just all analyzed incredibly well throughout the 10-ish, 11 hours of movies that you're watching. But they're so good. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'll say about them. All right. Uh, I think I got one more that I want to talk about before we get to our last one. Uh, movie called Fury. Oh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt and yeah. Michael Pena and Shia LaBeouf and John Bernthal and Logan Lerman. I believe I got all those correct. I totally forgot that John Bernthal was in that movie. Wow. Uh, and they're a crew of guys that mm-hmm. that operate in a tank, and they're in this tank for World War Two. Um, this this movie I actually have like kind of like nostalgic memories about because. <clears throat> this came out uh, in October, the year that it came out, 2014, I think. And it was the first year that I wasn't doing anything for, for Halloween. I hadn't been trick-or-treating for a few years, but I'd had something else going on. And so my buddy and I decided that we would go watch a movie on Halloween because that seemed like just a great idea to us. And so we went and watched Fury. I don't know how many gory war movies I had seen I'd seen some but maybe it was like shoot and then maybe like a puff of like red mist and then they fall off screen yeah sort of thing and I remember vividly like watching like there's a specific scene where like some German soldiers are are coming just kind of off camera onto camera and they're more silhouetted and they get shot and there's one soldier who just has his leg taken off right at the knee and then he falls down and they kind of gets turned to to mush in. it's just a silhouette you don't even see like the color detail which you do see in with others in this movie but i was like oh like this is like this is serious yeah um i thought the dynamic in amongst the guys in the tank was was pretty solid uh there's a moment where they break in a town and then argue over like german girls and stuff and i'm like this is what it is, is it's a break from tension, but I feel like they could have done that better. I think that yeah. seems kind of unnecessary. But the final showdown in the movie is pretty solid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Maybe a bit glorified, where it's like, oh, look at everything they can do. They probably didn't actually do that. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but it's, it's a pretty, pretty well-made movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to keep bringing up reasons why it might not be realistic it's a movie i think people put that together yeah. uh i i do i like fury i think it was yeah it's not bad pretty solid yeah um before we get on to another movie we asked the question was there any war movies that came out this year i'm like oh no i don't think so and then i realized oppenheimer <laughs> <laughs> oops <laughs> oppenheimer came out this year not that long ago yeah. Crazy. So let's talk about that. Um, there was a bit of controversy around it in that it doesn't display the events of Hiroshima and Nagasaki like full on or... Yeah, you, you hear that it happened, but you, you don't see you it You hear that happen, but you don't watch it happen. And therefore it doesn't display enough of the tragedy that it causes is what the, the controversy was. Yeah. 
Um, but I think that for another movie that could work very well, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still waiting for a movie to, I guess, handle that or juggle that or whatever to touch on that topic like that. But Oppenheimer, and it was not what I expected at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. But it shows it from just Oppenheimer's perspective. Well, yeah. as well as um, Strauss. 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 Yeah. Uh, but the majority of the movie is Oppenheimer's perspective. So you're watching... He wasn't in Hiroshima. So you don't see Hiroshima. You see his experience when the news hit. And yeah. I, I think for this movie, it was actually more effective in displaying how awful it was by seeing the man who created the bombs reaction to the bombs. Yeah. In that when he's giving a speech, oh my goodness. That's, that's a um, well made moment. A well made and that is like showing how terrible this is because first of all, you you're just like watching the flesh like go off of people that are like clapping and cheering for him. This is all like in his mind. Yeah. And the the blinding light. And then like he steps on like the the charred corpse. Yeah. And you see people like puking outside. And then when they're showing the images, yeah, like uh, in the group or whatever, they're showing the images of the aftermath. You're not watching the screen, like the screen in the movie. Yeah, you're watching Oppenheimer's face in the crowd. And as soon as like you hear the sound that and the light that shows that the image just went on, you see him immediately look down, and yeah. like not face it. It's like oh my goodness. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, famously he never publicly said that he regretted what he did mm-hmm. which is exactly what this movie is about is yeah. I shouldn't have done this um, but also not being like no he's all good because yeah. he shouldn't have it's like no this this still was awful yeah yeah it, it's one of those we were talking about perspectives earlier where it is a, a fascinating perspective to look at and even just all the dynamics that happened in in that little town that they made and who's getting along and, and who's working on what and what everyone knows. I'm like, this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about big names in the movie, every other oh, character, yeah. you're like, Oh wow, that's you. And then <laughs> you, you yeah. move on. Yeah. And, and yeah, something I thought was done well too is yeah, everyone's in this movie, but we don't, we're not going to give you an applause shot as they walk on the screen. It's yeah. just like, they're here. Get used to it. We're moving on now. Yeah, exactly. And some of them, like Kenneth Branagh's in the movie for like three and a half minutes total. Yeah. In a movie that's over three hours long. I right. Um, so yeah, like with the big names, they're here for a little bit. They're here for all of it. You're going to find out as it happens and we're not going to bring attention to it. They're just here because they can act. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Yeah. And this is more of that... Um, Showing behind the scenes of World War Two rather than the front lines. Yeah, yeah, very good. And the music is just oh my goodness. Next, oh, it is, it is. And we'll talk about it more in our best and worst of the year because <laughs> sure will. spoiler alert, it is one hundred percent on our at least one of ours best movie of the year. Correct. Best movies of the year. Yes, I should emphasize that S. Yep. Speaking of emphasizing the S. This is terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. But we're going with it. You got to roll with it. Uh, this movie 
is hard to watch. But it's the last one we're going to talk about. Uh, and given that you are very passionate about it, I like it too. I love it too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you open with your thoughts on Schindler's List. Oh, oh boy. So, this is the most difficult movie I've ever watched. Or the most the movie that was the most difficult to watch that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg, who also did Saving Private Ryan. Yep. So, he... I don't know. It's hard to talk about, honestly. Okay. The way he um, shows these events, right? Through uh, Schindler's perspective. Oscar Schindler. Uh, yep. Liam Neeson. Is so interesting. Because he... Uh, Oscar Schindler, you feel right away like, oh, this is the main character, so I should like him. And then he <laughs> does things that you're like, huh. I don't know, man. But then, like, he almost, like, realizes what's going on. Not that he's, like, doing awful, awful, awful. I mean, yeah. But he's part of the problem. Yeah. Until he realizes that he's part of the problem. Not intentionally trying to be part of the problem, but he's like, this is, nothing's going to change if I keep doing my thing. Yeah. So he, like, goes out of his way to, like, save all these people's lives. And, all right, the, the colored... Uh, coat, yeah, the red coat. It's crazy how minimal it was to the movie, or not minimal, how little screen time it had, because that's like the poster you see everywhere. It's the most iconic thing from the movie. Yeah, and to see it, I'm like, oh, there it is. And then like, that was a brilliant choice on the, uh, 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 shoot, Spielberg's part. Yeah, it was a perfect, beautiful choice on Spielberg's part to. Show that so that you you're paying attention to the red coat and then to see it in that pile of bodies is just the first time I watched <sighs> it. I thought it was only in one shot, and then it's you know she's walking around, and then she goes and the girl climbs under the bed, and I was kind of like, all right, and then it was like ninety minutes later when you're watching the conveyor mm-hmm. belt, and whoop, there it goes, and I was like, oh no, yeah, that sucks, yeah, <laughs> that's hurtful. Um, yeah. He uses black and white brilliantly, too. Like, to create that contrast. Yeah. And that solemn tone. (laughs) Um, something that's really well done about this movie. And it's awful. It's the worst. But, uh, I I never know how to say his name. So I'm gonna call him Rafe Fiennes. Okay. I think it might be Ralph, but I've also heard Rafe too many times. Ray finds as Ammon? Is that his last name? Maybe. The bad guy in the movie. Yeah. The biggest bad guy in the movie. The main antagonist yeah. that isn't just the German army. Yeah. And Hitler. Is so awful. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> there's And there's not a moment. Even, like, he tries to be a little bit better for a little bit of this movie. But even then, it's like, I still, you're not, I don't like you. Yeah. Um, and the big moment for me is when he's, it's the morning and he's sitting on the balcony outside his bedroom with a gun and then he's watching all the Jews work like in his yard. It's a camp. It's not like his front yard. Yeah. Um, and then you see one Mm -hmm. who's just not working and he shoots him and I was kind of like, 
well, that's not great. But I was like, okay, so he's going to shoot the ones that are being lazy and not working. And then he just starts picking them off, like, yeah. for fun. And it's not that they're necessarily doing anything wrong or anything. It's just like, oh, you're kind of singled out there. I'll shoot you. You're running in a way that looks like it's fun to try and shoot. I'll shoot you. And he just starts picking them off. It's like, you are awful. Evil. Like, yeah. this is yeah evil incarnate. And yeah. wow. Like, this... <laughs> And when you when you have that scene, there is no path to redemption from no. that. If, it, if he if he had, you know, there's nothing. You can't. No. <laughs> there's no. Oh man! And his performance is so great in that you hate him so much, but it's hard to watch. Oh, this movie's painful to watch. Yeah. Like, I've watched movies where you watch it and you go, can you not talk to me for a second here? Yeah. But, like, it was like, uh, I'm done for the night. I'll yeah. see you tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I watched it. I was like, that's it. I just, I gotta be alone for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's such a difficult movie. But it's amazing. And it, one of, I think, the best movies ever made. And I feel completely confident saying that. And I will continue to feel confident saying that. And also, I think it's one of the best movie scores ever made as well. From John Williams. Yeah. I, I didn't say movie scores from John Williams. I meant movie scores from anybody by John yeah. Williams. Like, John Williams did it, as well. Yeah. It's... Oh, and the ending. The ending With is... Schindler, um, Oscar Schindler being like, I could, I could have just saved. I couldn't have and saved that, more. And that almost... It kind of feels like... It, that his sorrow kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, look at you! You're doing like you're doing good work. Like you're saving so many of them, and then it's like, okay, I gotta go. And I barely did anything. And I like you're you're looking at the like over a thousand people that he saved, and you're watching him just be miserable. It's like, oh man, like this is. Yeah. To look at everything that you did and be like, yeah, no, this is this is chump change. I could have done because it's a thousand versus six so, million. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, a powerful moment, I thought. Yeah. Uh, and earlier we were talking about the interviews yeah. at the end. Mm -hmm. And at the end you see all the people that were portrayed in the movie. Yeah, like the real people. And and it's like, oh wow, like you came up with some pretty pretty cool uh, Jewish names there, I see. No, those were real names that yeah. like were real people. And then they walk in with the actor that portrayed them in the movie and they're laying stones yeah. on, on his grave. And I went... This is, that was small where I was like, not that there was anyone there with me, but I was like, we're just going to shut up and yeah. just kind of take this in. Because, like, it, not that it didn't feel real, but it became a lot more real where you're like, oh, this is, like, all of you. Now, like, I'm seeing, like, you in the real you. And yes. this actually happened to you. Yes. Crazy. Yep. Just crazy. We should have done Jojo Rabbit last. <laughs> we should have. That's okay. But on that on that uh on that note, yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh in two days, if you're listening on the day this comes out, uh the new Hard Games movie is gonna be released. Uh we thought about doing Hard Games this week, but we really want to talk about the new movie as well. So we're gonna talk about all five movies in two weeks. Right. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to that episode. Me too. I'm very excited to talk about those movies. And I'm excited to watch the new one. So, come back in two weeks to hear that episode. And uh, in the meantime, Luke, why don't you carry us over with send-off? Well, so we've talked about real wars, right? And uh, it's been a journey, for sure. But we'll see you next time when we talk about some fake wars in, regarding Hunger Games. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, and we'll see if the movie's good. I have a lot more faith in it than you, but uh, can't wait to find out. See you then. Hey, thanks, Luke. And thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to keep up with us and the show, please feel free to follow us on Twitter, or X, if you will, at Pod Screen Time to see some quick thoughts of ours regarding movies or shows. You can also follow us on Instagram, again, at Pod Screen Time to see when our episodes drop and any extra visuals that we want to show off. You can also catch up with both of us individually on Letterboxd to catch our thoughts and reviews on the movies that we watch. You can find me at The Shininator, and you can find Luke at Shin Glassman. If you want to hear more of Luke, feel free to check out his other podcast, Toku Talk Radio, where he discusses tokusatsu and anime with his sister Hannah. And if you want even more of Luke, who can blame you? You can take yourself over to his YouTube channel, Shin Glassman, where you can watch his videos that range from reviews to tier lists. They really are a blast. Links to all these things are in the description of this episode, so head there to find those and stay connected with us. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again in the next episode.